Welcome to the Cutting the Gordian Knot podcast. Today, we're going to talk about theology of the body. We're going to talk about the differences between men and women, but we're going to be doing it in a non-creepy, non-cringy way, which may be a surprise for some of you who have listened to other podcasts about theology of the body. A while back, I heard Chris West appear on Pints with Aquinas. I don't like to call people out and say that they are creepy or cringy, but this was just over the top. They had some type of negative synergy between the two of them. There was something about the Virgin Mary being a cinnamon roll. They talked a lot about nakedness. Um, Yeah, if I was somebody just investigating the Catholic faith and I thought, oh, people talk a lot about theology of the body. Why, here's a very popular podcast episode, YouTube channel that discusses it. Let's see what they have to... I would be totally creeped out. It's weird. It's weird. Oh my goodness. So here's how typical theology of the body talks go. You start by, oh my goodness, this changed my life and everything. And, and I started out with one way and then I, I learned about theology of the body and it was so transformational. And it moves on to, from it changed my life to, it's so amazing. Next point, JP2 is such an incredible genius with amazing insight. After that, it goes to, and I've studied this so deeply, I just have so many things to share. Followed by, and what I have to share is just so beautiful. And then it ends with, and there it is. And the audience responds, wow, it was amazing. Never any substance, just a lot of hype. And here's the thing, I hate to be a jerk. I'm sure you guys don't believe me. I'm a jerk in this podcast all the time. Um, But... This topic's important, especially now with the transgenderism, all sorts of gender confusion, and it seems to just be sophists and overly emotional emoters just emoting all over the place. Um, I want to address this issue in a little bit more level-headed manner. You see, here at the Cutting the Gordian Knot podcast, we look for problems that were constructed in a complex way that are tangled and murky, and yet they have a clear and simple out-of-the-box solution. I think our gender confusion in the culture is one such problem. So here's the lens, here's the tool I propose to help us cut through the chaos, and it's very simple. Men, these are creatures who are ordered towards intermediate goods, and we are intermediate goods to a large extent in and of ourselves. Women, however, are ordered towards goods which are good in and of themselves for their own sake. And women are good in and of themselves and for their own sake. So let's put this theory to the test and see if it cuts this knot. Let's talk about things that men traditionally like and things that women traditionally like. Again, we're not just relying on stereotypes. We're going to see if what we just said had some predictive power in general. I would claim that men love goods of transportation. They love goods of production and goods of protection. Each of these are intermediate goods. Have you met too many guys who don't like, um, say, fast cars, off-roading, who wouldn't love to have their own plane? These are goods of transportation. Transportation is not an end in and of itself. It's an intermediate good, and we seem to be ordered towards these. Just ask the next guy you meet, hey, Would you like a motorcycle? Would you like a dirt bike? Would you like a hovercraft? The answer will be yes. 
these goods of production, like chainsaws. I love my steel chainsaw. Um, I love my Milwaukee tools. I love, uh, I would, I'm looking for a tractor. I'm tractor shopping right now. If you live in the area, I would like to buy one um, with an excavator attachment. Thank you very much. And I would love to have these things. Goods of production. Goods of protection. Guys like guns, knives, swords. If you ask the next person you meet who is a guy, if they would be very pleased on their birthday to receive a rocket-propelled grenade, I promise you, the answer will be yes. Women, on the other hand, they love goods of beauty and goods of relation. For instance, whereas men love tractors, women love gardens. They love clothes. They love jewelry. They love makeup. They love travel. They might love cars, but for very different reasons. The man might say, well, it can go a quarter mile in 11 seconds. It can do this thing. Women might say, because it's beautiful, because I just like the way it drives, because it can fit all the things I, I just like it. Goods of relation, talking, socializing, um, being in community, that, that type of good of relation. I can already hear, wah, wah, wah. Can't women love those other things? Can't men love the other stuff? Well, yes, of course, obviously. Scripture shows that we are made of the same stuff. Flesh, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. So yeah, we're similar. We have a common human nature. But if your impulse hearing this list was to search your mind for exceptions, women who love the first things in the male mode, and men who love that second set of things but in the female mode, let me just say to you, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, woe to he who calls black white and white black this is not a healthy uh, impulse to say, oh, here's the natural of order things, but couldn't they be reversed? Couldn't they be different? Couldn't they be otherwise? Why can't black be white and white be black? No, that's just sowing confusion. Woe to he who does these. Because ultimately, what you're trying to do is invert the order that God has put in place. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is stab at the natural law. You're trying to make good evil and evil good. But... We continue. Let's talk about my man, St. Thomas Aquinas. He describes there's four principal motivations. Wealth, power, pleasure, honor. And he adds a fifth, which is beatitudo, the love of God, the witness of God himself as God. And of course, this is the highest. This is what Christ exemplifies and what we are all to do. But nevertheless, common to humans, we find that these can be our primary focus instead of having them all ordered towards beatitudo. I would suggest two of these are in the female mode. Two of these are in the male mode. And why? Because two of them are very much intermediate goods. Power. It, you have power in order to bring about an effect. But men are drawn to power in a very unique way. Money. You have money, but it's meant to spend. It's meant to, to bring you things. This is an intermediate good. And men are very much drawn to the accumulation of money. Pleasure. Women might like money, but I would suggest that they would care about it mostly in order to bring about one of these other two things, pleasure or honor. You don't see men in many spas. Yeah, we, we like pleasure. We'll drink a beer or something. But um, women seem to care more about pleasure. That's their, their vice sooner than a man would be. And honor. 
Yeah, I meant like being honored, but I think given the choice between power and honor, I think men would rather be generally disliked and hated, but be rulers of the world. And women would rather be universally honored, respected, admired, and loved than have to deal with the administration of the world. Um, there you go. So that's how I see the, the two sort out. Um, honor is an end in of itself. You don't say, well, I'll be honored and then I can, or, well, then I'll, I'll have pleasure. And then in, after I have pleasure, I can, no, 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 pleasure and honor. That contains its own end in a respect, whereas power and money don't. They're intermediate goods. So two of those, male mode, two of those, the female mode. But you may be asking about scriptural proofs, and I have some. Let's talk about Adam and Eve. So Adam is good in and of itself. Sure, he's called a son of God. I mean, there you go. But he also, in a particular way, is an intermediate good. He's meant to bring about something, someone. Eve. So what happens when Eve is created? What happens after that? No, 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 nothing, (laughs) right? That ends creation. Whereas Adam is part of this process, kind of like God makes the water so that he can put in the fish. God makes the land so that he can fill it. Well, God makes Adam so that he can draw Eve out. And then when Eve's there, that's the end. Creation Stop. She's, she's the end, the end in and of itself. Adam is a means to that end. So there you go. Adam, in maleness in general, is good in the sense that it brings about a good end. Eve is that end which is brought about, is good in a self-referential way. Children. Let's talk about children. One might think that women are an intermediate good, because they are the ones who produce children, right? So they're means to an end. But I think that's the wrong way to see it. I think most women would be offended if you said, oh yeah, I want to marry you. Just just spit out some children for me. Like, like that's why I, I love you. It's because you, you give me this thing. Now, scripture shows that it actually begins with the initiation of a community of love. And that's actually where the man gives of himself. In the case of scripture, we have the giving of the rib by Adam in community with God. And of course, in the marital act, this is internal to a sacrament. Also, in union with God, gives of himself to the woman in order to initiate this new community. So I would say that scripture inverts the expectations when Eve is born of Adam. It shows that that life-giving love is begun by the man, but the love of shared communion is begun with the woman when Adam exclaims, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. By the way, I would add that this is one of the reasons why my priests alone can be male. There cannot be female priests. You see, all of the sacraments are a type of life-giving love. Each of them, when received by the church, creates and strengthens a community of persons between God and neighbor. The sacraments are intermediate goods, and thus, they are male in mode. That's why when we stand at the persona Christi, if you're a priest, I'm not a priest, but for those who do, and they give out the sacraments, this must be a man doing it. It's a man, um, it's a man's role. Now, the female part is to exist with this new life in a community of love that is good 
in and of itself. So, I was talking about children. I think this is coming back around. When a child is born, just watch how men and women play with the child. Women love the kid as a good in and of themselves. And men do too, but they really kick into gear when they can do certain things with the child. Teach them to hunt, to fish, to play sports, to work on cars, to do those things. They want to help them participate in intermediate goods. They want to use them in order to bring about an end. Here, let me show you how to hunt, to bring about meat. Let me show you how to work on cars or to drive fast or to do something like that. That's the way that men are ordered in, in their love. And uh, yes, obviously we need both. So let's get to uh, Christ and Mary. Here are two excellent examples of the male and the female mode, um, particularly of love and a type of salvific love. Um, but a quick word here. I describe men as these intermediate goods and ordered towards other intermediate goods. But if you got the idea that that somehow makes them less or inferior to things which are good in and of itself, may I remind you that when God took the form of a person, he took the form of a man. So that grants immense dignity to men. If you have the idea that being an intermediate good would be incompatible with the divine identity of Christ, well, may I remind you that he emptied himself. He spoke only what he heard from his father, and it says that he was there in order to do the work of his father, showing that he is there as an intermediate good. Jesus was here to work, to do the work of his father in bringing about the salvation for his bride, the church. And the reason why I emphasize that intermediate goods are not inferior is because I think in the tradition, especially amongst Thomas, they're kind of viewed in that way. Um, but I don't think they have to be. I think this is just simply a different mode. Now, in Christ's passion, Jesus does the work of salvation for his bride, the church, at the cross. What is Mary doing at the time? Was she doing the work of salvation? Well, no. She's not a good in order to bring about an end. And that's why she's not participating in the work of salvation, really at all. She was, however, participating in salvation, but in the female mode. She becomes the model for the church by being at the base of the cross, at the tomb, at the ascension, at Pentecost. And depending on how you read the Proto-Evangelium, uh, it's the prophesied woman who crushes the head of the serpent. It's the reunion of God and man, the reunion of mankind in God's love that crushes evil. That is the female mode of love, this initiation of the community of love, the becoming, this very place that, that God and man encounters that type of love. In the prophecy of Zechariah, I think it's Zechariah, Mary is told that a sword will pierce her heart. She is not affecting salvation but she's becoming the place where the salvation of Christ most perfectly connects God to man, just like she did in the, in the incarnation. The suffering of Christ is extended to her in the piercing of her heart as Christ dies. And Christ's suffering is active in order to bring about an end. But her suffering is passive. It's an end in and of itself. Why is Mary at the base of the cross? It's not in order for something to happen. It's simply because it is good for her to be there because she is more drawn into the mystery of the incarnation by entering into the suffering of Jesus, by witnessing that. She's not doing the work of salvation. She's receiving it. She's becoming the place where it 
first becomes most effective. Now, all the church is the bride of Christ. So there's a respect that if you are a human being and you have been baptized, then you participate in the female mode of salvation. An example of this would be purgatory. The church teaches that you don't do anything. You don't bring about any type of purification there. You're simply purified by God. You're just made beautiful. Yes, there is suffering, but like Mary, this suffering brings you closer into union with your creator. Now, inside of the bride of Christ, there are some who stand in the person of Christ, persona Christi, and that's the male mode as we discussed with the sacraments. Okay, so there you go. The essence of maleness is to be an intermediate good, to, to protect, to, to build, to make, and to love your wife in an active way like Christ did. So the good man makes himself a sacrifice for others to bring about God, to bring about beatitudo to others. And the essence of femaleness is to be good and beautiful in oneself and to expand the goodness and beauty outward, making a verdant community of life. Now, the good woman extends the, the wonder and beauty of God being, oh, where was, oh, let's see. Oh, let's talk about the good and evil man and woman. Um, the evil man sees himself in the female mode. He sees himself as an end in and of himself and uses his male powers to take from others and elevate himself. He rejects the selfish, he rejects the selfless mode of male love and he loves women as if they were intermediate goods. He only loves women in the, to the extent that he can get out something from them. So that's the evil man. Female mode of love where he thinks of himself as an end in and of himself and this snuffs out any type of selflessness and other directedness that halts his true generative actions. The evil woman. What's an evil woman? Well, the evil woman takes on the male mode and by so doing, she degrades herself by seeing herself as an intermediate good when she is not. She thinks, I'm good because I can do things for men. I am good because I can make and build and defend just as much as a man can. And if I can't, maybe I'm not all that good because I can't bring about these ends. When she pursues this male mode, she turns against the femaleness of her own body. She resents her fertility. Instead of providing a life-giving communion for a child and recognizing the goodness of the child in and of his or herself, using this female mode of love, entering into the passive suffering, thereby strengthening her union with God, the evil woman is one who would abort a child, would reject the goodness of the child in and of itself, and instead seek to bring about a better end seek to enter into that male mode where she prioritizes career, success, money, convenience, pleasure, any of those other things by rejecting things which are good enough themselves and pursuing intermediate ends. So let me hit a few more thoughts and clarify a little bit of this before we talk about the most disliked passage of scripture of all time. Um, let's just take a few examples. Cooking. Is this a male or a female activity? I would say there's there's both modes. For instance, 
typically we have home cooks being female. But yet you go to most any restaurant and you find that chefs are overwhelmingly male. So why? Well, may I suggest that when a woman cooks, she cares about bringing about something beautiful, bringing about something good. And that's the end. She does it because, hey, it just makes people happy, makes me happy. It just, that's an end. But for the chef, he, he seeks to be part of this machine which cranks out food. This is an intermediate thing. It is good so that people arrive. It is good so that they can make money. It is good in order to. That's different from the home cook who simply cooks for the joy of it. Cooks because it's good. In fact, I love to cook. And when I cook things, I care about the taste. I cook in order for it to be tasty. I cook in order for it to be nutritious enough to meet my, my daily protein target. Um, that's very different from the way that my wife cooks. How about being an architect? The male mode is very different from the female mode. And I know this for a fact. My wife and I designed a house and we're building it and I'll sell it off shortly, hopefully October. When she's awesome at floor plans, she's amazing at them. I just, I'm scribbling with a crayon, little boxes. It just turns out terrible. So the way it typically works out is I say, this is the most efficient shape to do. And we should build it inside of that. Oh, can't we do a bump out? Can't we do a dormer window? And I go, no, I don't think that's going to add any real utility. I don't think that's going to actually make us more money. Yes, but it would be cute, is the retort. Well, what's that saying? I'm looking at building this thing, bringing about this house in order to achieve an end. In my case, this is how I make money or um, to maximize our um, maximize the utility of the space, right? I, I'm ordered towards that type of good. But she cares about, is it going to be a good house in and of itself? Is it going to be beautiful? Is it going to be lovely? And I think it's important to have both of those there. So yes, men and women can be architects. Men and women can cook. Let me take one where I don't think that men and women can equally participate. The military. I don't think women should be there. At very least, I don't think they should be in any fighting roles. Why? Because I think that's incompatible with the nature of women. Because men are good in that intermediate, in that in that way that brings about an end. In the military, you're meant to bring about safety for your, your populace. You're meant to bring about justice in a certain area. But women aren't the type of things which are intermediate goods. We don't use them as tools to protect. No, that's a male mode. The reason why we typically go to war is to protect women and children. It's to protect that which is good. It is entirely disordered to send something good in and of itself to become an intermediate good, to be possibly destroyed in order to what? Protect things which ought to be used for an end, like men? That's completely disordered. So no, I'm against that. If that makes me a chauvinist pig, cool, whatever, don't care. All right, let's talk about that um, very much disliked uh, section of scripture. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as the, as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself. It's, wow, 
never read this translation anyway. <laughs> trying to use the Catholic translations, but like I could probably quote this to King James growing up Protestant, but yeah, anyways. All right, Christ is the head of the church's body and is himself its savior. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be in everything to their husbands. So why, given our paradigm that we've been laying out ad nauseum, ought this be true? Well, I would suggest that this type of direction is an intermediate role. Men will lead in order to bring about an end. Scripture supports this type of servant leadership. Who is the greatest, the disciples ask. And Jesus says, he who, who serves the others, or something to that effect. But servants bring about an end. Servants are not an end in and of themselves. Let me give you an analogy, another analogy. And, and that's why this um, direction, this leadership, this headship is a servant leader role. And uh, yes, that is inherently an intermediate good. You lead, you serve in order for something to be brought about. So it's incompatible with the female mode. It is compatible with the male mode. So just like a, in a cathedral, the structure of the building determines where the artwork goes. And thus, that which is beautiful is directed by that which is strong. The, the columns and the arches of the building are there in order to serve a role. They are functional. The beautiful paintings, the sculptures on them, those are simply to be themselves, to just be beautiful, to make this a place of beauty, of goodness. So it depends on the structure, these sculptures, these artwork, these things. They depend on being on this structure, just like women depend on men but the men are there to uphold and to allow the women to flourish and be beautiful. That's the point. Look how Mary is crowned in heaven. Is this done as a means to an end? No, it's just an end in and of itself. I think Protestants misunderstand Mary because they misunderstand women. They don't appreciate this female mode, and they think that Mary could only have value if she does something salvific or works to bring about an end. No. She's seen in the last book of the Bible as crowned. The church likewise is found in the last book of Scripture, Revelation, flourishing, radiant, holy, subject to, but upheld by God in a perfect communion of love with him. Husbands, love your wives. Note, not yourself. If you are a man and your first concern is yourself, then you are loving yourself in a female mode. You are intrinsically being disordered in this act. Men are oriented outside of themselves. So, men, love your wives, not yourself. And don't love your wives as a means to an end, but as an end in and of herself. So love is to love the good of another um, as other. That is the type of love we're looking for. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, there is this intermediate good nature of maleness. She is an end, and men are, in this respect, a means. In order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word, 
so as to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind, so that she may be holy and without blemish. And now we're back to holy and well without blemish, blemish, so that, dot, dot, dot. No, no, no. This is the end. That is the end that Christ is effecting. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So that's how we love ourselves. Our self-love ought to be found not alone, stagnant, but instead in community. The way that Adam loved himself is through Eve. Remember that Eve is made from his gift of self, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, he says. So he loves himself by loving her. That's what we're talking about here. The basic Adamic mystery of love between Adam and of Eve. That is the male mode. He loves, uh, he, uh, he loves himself. Um, he who loves his wife loves himself. That's why. Because they become one flesh. Because there's a community which comes into being with the woman's mode of love and beginning with the male active mode of love which brings about this initial communion. Okay. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but he nourishes and tenderly cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I am speaking about Christ and the church. Each of you, however, should love his wife as himself, and a wife should respect her husband. There you go, guys. So I don't think we need to take that, like, backwoods Baptist fundamentalism. See, there, women, you got to do everything your, your your husband ever says. And see, man, uh, I don't know, just uh, just be nice to her every once in a while. No, no, no. I think it's a lot more interesting and rich and true and basic than that. Often I hear explanations of men and women that are very reductionist and biological. And I understand why sometimes we have to resort to this because we have to define things in opposition to the transgender movement that rejects the biological, that rejects things that relate to our parts. But, but I don't think that's the full explanation. Alternatively, there's lots of times where explanations of men and women and the male and female mode and how we love and how they love and how we're, we're meant to be uh, thoroughly compatible. It's just vague and emotional without substance. It's just all hype and talk and sophism. And finally, you often hear explanations which are just a wholesale surrender to feminism. You hear, oh, well, you know, you know, e I told the story about how Eve is last. Well, I mean, she's, you know, the best. Oh, that's great. Oh, no, no, women, you're just so amazing. Guys are just no good. No, completely reject that. It's ridiculous. Um, we're not going to surrender to silly feminism because feminism degrades women. Feminism teaches that they must be good only in a male mode, and that's completely false. It's, it's not even feminism because it doesn't value the feminine. Feminism is incompatible with what we know of the Virgin Mary. Feminism is just incompatible with what we see in the Garden of Eden. Feminism is anti-woman. Um, yeah, well, that's a rant. Anyways, no, men are not worse. Women are not worse. We are two separate modes. Two separate modes which mirror the mystery of God and his church, which bring about a communion of love, which crushes the head of the serpent. 
any type of, of ranking or hierarchy or all these kinds of things which people want to read so deeply into this, that's completely antithetical to the gospel story. When when the disciples ask, oh, who is the greatest? His response is basically to say, go, go be a servant. How about you start with humility? So if you ask, oh, well, which one's better? Does that mean guys are better? Does that mean girls are better? My answer is the same as Christ's. Okay, go away. <laughs> Learn to be humble, okay? And then come back, and then we can talk about this mystery. So that's my call. For anybody who wishes desperately to, to read in some type of hierarchy or something like, just go be humble. Do that. All right. The other one is the patronizing and stereotypical description of women. How often have you heard, well, women are just about relationships. All they want to be heard. They just want to be heard. They don't want problems actually solved. They just want you to, to, to listen. I mean, true in a stereotypical sense, maybe, but that doesn't appeal to, it doesn't answer why this would be or what would be right or wrong about this. And I think there's plenty of women, my wife included, who says, just want you to listen to my problem. Problems are meant to be solved. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're my husband. Help solve these problems. Um, and that's what we ought to do. Um, is it true that women are about relationships? Um, yeah, to a great extent. But what they're about is more than just a, a chit chat at a coffee, you know, group or a book group or something like that. They're meant to be a place where we're, we're extending the love of God in that communal way. And that's not just found in any relationship. That's one that's found in a almost sacramental, God-centered relationship. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that this type of stereotypical uh, description of men and women explains shared activities like we talked about earlier, like um, architecture or, or cooking and what would be the male and female mode. And I think it's important to address that. So there you go. That is my answer, guys. Um, go out there. Be good men. Be good women. Don't uh, be those evil ones which I described earlier. Love one another. You are complimentary. Um, there you go. Uh, you guys seem to like that last episode uh, with Trent Horn, the debrief from his recent Jacob Imam interview. Seem to like that one a lot. I, that's racing up the charts. going to be the most popular ever one, it would seem. I know I've been a little bit slow on... Um, turning out the episodes. I said in an earlier podcast that I'm working on an AI-powered apologetics Catholic chatbot. If you want to help with that, I need your help. You see, I've been delayed a little bit because I got a concussion and behind on many things, but I did want to share this podcast with you. And uh, yeah, email me at thegordiannot101 at gmail.com if you want to help with that chatbot. Basically, you'll look at a list of different projects that you can take on. Things would be um, like strict philosophy, uh, things that we kind of need to have at the ground level. For instance, um, uh, describe matter and form. Another one would be uh, talk about hylomorphism or uh, describe uh, the classic four causes because those things can be referenced uh, at some point, say, uh, describing one of the ways of Thomas Aquinas. Other projects would be, yeah, doing a project on one of the five ways of Aquinas or the Kalam or the moral argument, the fine-tuning argument. We also have ones which deal with the resurrection, um, alternate resurrection accounts, uh, the uniqueness of Christianity, uh, what type of um, 
a priori uh, reasons would we expect a salvation-like or incarnation-like event. And then answers about the church, projects on the papacy, on Mary, on uh, sacraments, things like that. Um, you'd be writing up a description. Uh, you know what? I got a whole template I can send you. It's going to be great. So email me at thegordiannod101 at gmail.com and uh, let me know if you want to volunteer. I got a few questions for you to answer. Not everybody can join the team, but yeah, I would really appreciate a little bit of help. It's a huge task. And thanks, as always, for listening. Feel free to uh, to share. Um, hit those buttons that I'm always told about, like the like ones. I don't know if there's a subscribe one or... I don't do technology too much, but hit hit buttons. Hit buttons for me. And if you really enjoyed this, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast thing you're doing. Um, wow, I shouldn't have asked for that one on the one about men and women. We're going to have a bunch of raging, screaming feminists or or something. All right. Talk to you next time. I have a nasty habit of forgetting things that I wanted to put in the episode, and I typically just front load the next episode with the thoughts that I forgot from the previous episode. But I think it makes more sense to try to just tack it on after, well, apparently I ended it. So here's one other thought I wanted to include. Philosophy. You may have heard of it. Um, it's the love of wisdom, right? That, that's what we're meant to do with philosophy, just love wisdom. And ultimately, we find out, see the beginning of the Gospel of John, that wisdom, that the logos, the intelligence and the intelligibility of all things, is God. That's who came incarnate. So philosophy, when rightly done, when properly ordered, is about the love of God, particularly the love of the logos, Christ. So do we do that in order to bring about an end? Well, no. And that's why philosophy is, quote-unquote, useless, right? If you tell somebody, I'm going to study philosophy, they'll say, why? Well, what a silly question. There is no why. It's one of those things which you do because it's good in and of itself. It contains its own end. Now, having listened to the episode, you'll know that that's in the female mode of love. Which makes sense, because we're doing this from the church. And the church is the bride of Christ. So when we love Christ, we do this in the female mode. Um, so why don't we see more female philosophers? Well, women, the 19% of listeners, if these uh, stats, if the analytics on this podcast hold true, um, get it in gear. you got to get more philosophers out there. Um, but more seriously, the, the church teaches that the queen of philosophy is Mary, that she's the patron saint of philosophy overall, right? She's our greatest uh, philosopher, our greatest theologian. She's the one who ponders all these things in her heart. I think that's just a another line of evidence why I think this is the right way to view men and women philosophy, something which is deeply good in and of itself, without, not as a means to an end, is something that Mary, the epitome of what it means to be a woman, participates in more fully than any other human being. So, women, get to philosophizing. But as an end in and of itself. Okay, was there anything else I wanted to say? I don't think so. 
I hope I don't have to tack it on another one of these messages. This is a large topic. Um, I try to avoid all the, the, the cringy parts as much as possible. Um, so I hope you're happy about that. I can't stand most podcast episodes on the subject. All right, for real, goodbye, and thanks for listening.